This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host for the day, Ryan Treasure. And of course, Finding Your Frequency, always trying to bring you guys uh, some some great commentary, some great insight, great information. And uh, we're going to keep that keep that trend going today as we talk to Mr. James Templeton. James is the author of a book called I Used to Have Cancer, How I Found My Own Way Back to Health. And let me tell you, the story that we're going to hear today is just absolutely amazing. James has, you know, uh, by, by by all respects, a highly successful businessman, beautiful wife, beautiful family uh, in his early 30s, had his whole life in front of him and then all of a sudden gets diagnosed with cancer. So I want to talk a little bit about that and talk about uh, the fortitude that it takes to brave through something like that. And then, of course, uh, talk a little bit about this book and where it came from. James, welcome to the radio show. Thank you, Ryan. It's great to be with you today. Hey, we really appreciate your time, uh, you know, bringing, uh, bringing you onto the show and, you know, taking the time to tell your story is I, I feel like this is just important stuff for people to kind of understand and, and wrap their head around uh, because I think a lot of people, and I was looking at some statistics, um, uh, I think it was last week, um, that, that like 60% of the populace of people who uh, pass away in the United States are now passing away from cancer. It's the it's the largest taker of life in, in, in U.S. population next to heart disease. And, you know, just having candid conversations around cancer with folks who have cancer, who have beaten cancer, um, and just kind of opening up everybody's mind to those things is extremely important. So I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. And why don't we just kind of go back to the beginning here and, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about you, James, where you came from and, you know, what led you up into uh, writing the book, I Used to Have Cancer, and, uh, and tell us how you found your frequency. Well, uh, Ryan, I was uh, living in Texas. I was a a small business owner and I had several businesses. I was very successful and I'm a fifth generation Texan. So I go way back, you know, from the Texas side of things. And I was living there and I was successful. As you said, I had a wife, I had a little daughter and I thought everything was going great. Uh, I was in good physical fitness shape, I thought. I was a runner. I was one of these guys you would see running down the highway. You know, on any given day, you'd probably see me. And I was a guy that was in the gym uh, three or four days a week working out. And I was doing all this exercise because my father and my grandfather both died of heart disease at, at a relatively young age. My father at uh, 46 and my grandfather at 36. I never really knew my grandfather, but I was aware of the heart disease issues in our family. And after my father had died, I thought that, you know, uh, I at one point I thought I wouldn't probably make it to 30 years old. So I thought I better figure out a way to get myself in shape somehow or another and try to, you know, sidestep this heart thing. So. Uh, I learned about a guy back then, and this was in the 1980s, and his name was Jim Fix. 
and Jim Fix was this this running guru. He had written a book called I well it was actually called the complete book of running and he had sidestepped heart disease in his mind because his father died at a very young age I believe it was 35 or something like that his father died of a young age and he thought that he would probably you know have the same issues if he didn't start to to exercise and and find out more so he got into running and he was a big runner and i read his book and i thought that hey i'll do follow his example if it works for him why won't it work for me so i got into this and before i knew it one day i went into the office i sat down in my office at one of my businesses and i grabbed the morning newspaper and the first thing i noticed on the on the uh, front page was running guru jim fix dies of a heart attack while running, while jogging. And I just about fell over in my chair and I couldn't believe it. Did I see that right? Is this really what I'm reading? Is this correct? And it was, Jim Fix had died. Well, I started to get very upset and very, you know, kind of just in shock. And I thought, well, maybe what I'm doing is not the right thing. Maybe I better re relook at everything. Maybe I better, you know get checked out maybe i need a better a thorough checkup or something like that so i made up my mind after this that i wanted to go get one of these cardio stress tests and i did i went in to see a specialist and i got in his office and i got on the treadmill he put me on this this treadmill test and he got me on there and he says oh my god you know after going through this test he says you you're in tremendous shape because I was running at that time up to 60 miles a week, and I was in pretty good shape as far as a 32-year-old guy was concerned. And the doctor said to me, he says, I think you broke the record, the all-time record. I don't think anybody's done this well in my office. So he said, as far as your heart is concerned, you're in tremendous shape and good. I think you're gonna live a long time. Just keep up with what you're doing now because you're doing something right. And he said, there's only one thing though, after his examination, very thorough examination on all levels, he looked me over and everything. He says, there's only one thing I can say that I'm even uh, slightly concerned about. He says, there is a mole on your back. And he says, the mole on your back is a little different looking. He said, it's probably nothing to it. But he says, when you get a chance sometime, go in to see a dermatologist have them look at it because, you know, uh, it's just a little bit different than than a normal mole. So I didn't think much about it. And, and uh, after a few weeks or so, I decided to go see a dermatologist. And I go in to see this dermatologist and he says, well, sit down there and take your shirt off and, and I'll be there in a second. And he comes in and he says, what seems to be the problem? I said, well, I had a cardio stress test done. The doctor said I should have you look at my uh, there's a mole on my back. He wanted me to have you look at it. And he didn't think it was anything, but wanted you to look at it. So he looks at it. He just, after he looked at it, he just paused for a minute and he goes, Oh my God, I think you have melanoma just like that. And he looked at it and he started like, you know, almost, you know, he was very excited acting and it scared the heck out of me. I'll tell you. And he's, he's in there and he's all giddy and he's this and that. And like he'd won a, a prize or the lottery or something. And it, it really upset me. 
And he went on to tell me, he says, we got to get really serious about this. This is serious business. I know it's melanoma, but, you know, we're going to have to check it out. But he says, if it is, we might have to remove a large portion of your tissue and on your back. Well, I mean, I just was like a guy that was in total shock. Now, before that, I thought I had life by the tail. And now I'm in here and I'm, and I've, you know, sounds like I might have melanoma and melanoma wasn't a lot of something I knew a lot about, but I knew it wasn't a, wasn't a good thing to have. And uh, so the doctor did not uh, impress me at all. And I didn't want to go back to him. So I said to him, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll uh, think about all this and I'll get back to you. So I left, I went home. My wife says, let's get a second opinion. And I thought, well, that's a good idea. So I did get a second opinion. And long story short, uh, you know, the, the doctor, the second opinion guy says it looks suspicious to him, but he didn't think it was going to be much of anything. But he sent me over to an oncologist, which was world-renowned oncologist. And this was down in Houston, Texas. And he says, uh, the oncologist, when I went to see him, he says, look, he says, it looks suspicious to me also. But he says, there's only one thing that, that I know to do, and let's remove it right here in the office. So let's see exactly what it is. I'll send it into the lab, and I'll get back to you in a few days. So he did. And he said, just go home. Don't worry. There's nothing you can do. Well, all I did was worry. I went home, and I worried. And he took this big two-inch square plug out of my back and, you know, sent it off. Well, I was going to worry because now I'm thinking I might have melanoma. So he, he went on to tell me he'd call me, and he did. Called me almost two weeks later after I'd been on pins and needles. And he calls me up, and he says, James, he says, I got some good news. And I got some bad news. And he went on to tell me right then, he says, the good news is that it is melanoma. Well, I'm thinking good news. You know, how could that be good? So he goes on to tell me, but he says, before you jump to conclusion, the reason it's good is because we think we got all of the tissue, the, the unhealthy tissue, the cancer cells around the peripheral area of that incision. So that's good news. He said, the bad news is that it is very deep. And very deep is uh, most likely going to spread. And we're going to call it stage four because of its depth. And they measured it on something called the Clark scale, which is uh, a way they measure melanomas. And he says, you know, we're going to have to really keep an eye on this. And you're going to have to come in and and see me every three months and we'll check you out a thorough checkup to stay on top of this because this is more likely to spread and we've got to really keep an eye on things so i did i followed up with two different treatments uh just like he said everything checked out okay uh of course all along this time i was just a wreck i was you know went from a happy-go-lucky ambitious young man to a guy that didn't uh, feel like he had much to look forward to, a guy that was depressed now, a guy that didn't want to go anywhere or do anything. And uh, I just wasn't the same guy. And before I knew it, it caused problems and issues with my wife. And uh, my wife ended up uh, leaving me, taking my daughter into town. And this was after this. I just, I think I lost 
my, you know, will to live yeah, pretty that, much. That's got to be a tough one, too, because I have a daughter myself and, you know, I love my wife very much and I love my daughter very much. And it's one thing to have, you know, your wife maybe decide to make a decision, but, you know, to not have that daughter who is, you know, the fruit of your loins around. I, I bet you that was a really, yeah. that was really tough. It was. It was really tough. And I bet, and I I bet, had heard I bet she's a daddy's from, girl, huh? A, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She works with me now. Oh, so it's wonderful. But I, you know, after that, you know, I just I almost given given up. And I felt like, you know, what's the use there for a little bit? And uh, before I knew it, though, I found a lump in my growing. I found this lump in my growing area and that didn't that didn't feel right. So I went to see the doctor, the oncologist, and he says, well, we need to go in and see exactly what this is. He said, it's probably not much to it. We'll just do a little biopsy. He says, it's probably not gonna be anything, but we need to make sure. So he told me to check in the hospital. And when I did, you know, I had the surgery and I woke up from the surgery and I knew I was in trouble because when I woke up, there was this huge bandage in my growing area. And it wasn't just a little bitty, you know, Band-Aid or biopsy. It was huge, uh, you know, bandaging all around. So as I lay there in the recovery room, the doctor comes in the door and he says, well, I'm sorry to tell you the cancer spread. The cancer's in your lymphatic system now. He says, uh, that's not what we wanted it to happen. He says that you know now we're gonna to have to get very, very aggressive with this because this is an aggressive type of cancer. And he says, uh, it's all I know to do and I want you to do 80 chemotherapy treatments. And he says, we need to do experimental chemo because that's the only kind of treatments that I have found to work um, pretty much at all with this kind of cancer. And he said, we'll elevate your temperature as high as we can, then we'll induce the, the uh, chemotherapy. And uh, he says, we'll do that after you recover, after a couple of weeks of recovery here in the hospital. And he also went on to tell me, since we removed all of your lymph nodes in that area down in your right growing, he says, we're gonna have to have you do a lymph drainage pump on a regular daily basis, which is going to take two or three hours at least a day to do that because we don't want you to get lymphedema and end up losing your leg because all of my lymph was gonna drain into that leg and it was you know, already swollen twice as big as the other one. And so I had to do that. And then he went on after I asked him and I really tried to get it out of him and he, he obliged me and said, listen, he says, you got a 20% chance of survival and this was in his opinion, 20% chance of surviving three to five years. If I could get through those 80 chemo treatments, you know, basically alive. So he says to me, he says, that's all I know to do. And he says, you know, it's a 20, 20% chance here. And he says that, uh, you know, we just gotta, you know, uh, do this and we've got to do it and be aggressive. And he says that there's nothing else that he knew to do. So here I am after this, I become very desperate and I lay there in the hospital and I was losing my hope and I, I didn't have much to believe in. I'm laying there 
And this was probably a week later and I'm feeling terrible and feeling sorry for myself. And of course, you know, and I, I did, my wife had left me. Now I have this, uh, you know, my wonderful life that I thought was, was pretty good anyway, was, uh, didn't look so good anymore. And, uh, now I'm looking at two to two to, you know, two years, three years, four years, maybe five years if I'm lucky. So I'm laying there and I knew there had to be something else I could do because this wasn't a very good outlook going forward. I knew there had to be something that I could do. And I laid there and I, I, I just didn't know what to do. And so all of a sudden, Ryan, I get a phone call and the phone calls out of the blue and the phone call came from a minister at a church that I went to on a semi regular basis. And it was a, it was a minister that I knew and he was a runner like me. He was older than me. He was an ex professional baseball player. And I looked up to him because he was a kind of a, a nice guy, but a tough guy. And he calls me up and he says, James, he says, I've been praying for you. He says, and many people at the church have been praying for you. I want you to know you're not alone. He says, we're thinking of you every day. And I want you to know one thing. He says, you don't give in to this cancer. I want you to fight like you've never fought before in your life. I don't want you to give up. I don't want you to think that 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 uh, that you're you're going to die. He says, there's so much you can do, but you've got to believe. And he said that you beat this SOB in cancer. That's exactly what he said to me. <laughs> and he says, you beat it. And he said it the other way, but he used those words. And it shocked me right then. But this, this minister telling me this in this way, it got my attention. It made me really sit up and listen. And I'll tell you what, after I hung up that phone, it didn't take me long to start to pray. And I prayed. I prayed to God, the higher power, whatever you want to call it. And I prayed hard, and I prayed like I'd never prayed before. And it was one of these kind of prayers where you feel like every prayer, every cell in your body is, is praying like there's an energy around you. And I never felt that before. So it wasn't something that was, I was used to, but I felt an energy and I felt like I wasn't all alone at that moment. And I had, there was an energy that was with me. And when I woke up from that prayer, I got a knock on the door probably 20 minutes later, came through the hospital door. It was an old friend of mine that I hadn't seen in seven plus years. And he comes through the door, and it was he was a college buddy of mine. And he had heard I was in there from an old friend, and uh, he had a, some paper in his hand, some pieces of paper in his hand. And he says to me, he says, look, he said, I got this uh, article in my hand from a friend of a friend of mine at the office where I work. We were talking about you yesterday, and my friend thought that this article, he brought it to me this morning, he thought this article could really help you somehow or another. So this article happened to be about a guy that had cured himself of prostate cancer using a diet lifestyle. And it, he was a well-known guy, he was a, a celebrity guy that had written a book and the book was called Confessions of a Kamikaze Cowboy. His name was Dirk Benedict, and he was on a television show back then, and it, the television show was uh, The A-Team. 
and it was a show that uh, a lot of people at least my age are going to know about but it was a show that i had seen many times and when he when he told me about this i knew right then i was going to do what this guy had done i knew that if this would work for him this diet worked for him i'm going to find out about this diet so this is kind of like this is kind of like where where your frequency shifted you know you this Mm -hmm. it's almost like this this was a ray of hope uh, a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel where you're able to go man if this guy can do something like this, I think I can. I mean, you'd have already gone through the the surgeries, the chemotherapy. I mean, what else did you have to lose, right? Right. So I'm laying there. I had no hope. I had nothing to believe in. And and now I get this article and I glanced at it. I knew instantly I was going to do this. And my friend says, wait a minute, you don't know anything about this. And I said, I don't have to. I'm going to learn about it. But I know I'm supposed to do this because something inside of me you know, intuitively from the higher power, it told me, felt, I felt this energy. This is what you're supposed to do. You know, when you know you're supposed to do something, you kind of know it and you do it and you don't think twice. That's how it was. And uh, I had my friend go get this book and he brought it back to me and, and I couldn't put it down. And I was so excited because I felt like if this guy could do it, I could and I related to him. This guy was from Montana, originally grew up on a ranch. I had a little farm in Texas, and I thought that I was kind of a cowboy, I guess, kind of a gentleman's ranch, you could say. And I related to this guy, you know, and I wanted to, I wanted to, to be like this guy and be a hero in my own life. And, and I felt like, hey, I have nothing else but to go for this. I'm going for this. So I got very excited. All of a sudden, I went from this deep depression to a guy with hope, a guy that started to believe, a guy that's will was starting to 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 uh, pick up speed, and I got you know very very uh, you know positive about things, and the next day, I laid there in that hospital bed, and there was another knock on the hospital bed door, the hospital room do- uh, door, and it was my stepmother, and my stepmother comes through the door, and she has a book in her hand. And she tells me it's a book about vitamin C and cancer. And I'd never heard of vitamin C. You know, I didn't know about any of this stuff. I'd never heard of macrobiotic diet. That's what was in this book. I'd never heard about any of this stuff. Where you, where I come from, you get sick, you go to the doctor, and that's what you do. But here she has this book in her hand. The book was about vitamin C and cancer. It was by a fellow by the name of Linus Pauling. And Linus Pauling was a guy that did a lot of research on vitamin C. And he was, uh, had lots of, he did studies, research. But this book was about people that had late stage cancer that were basically dying of cancer. Most of them were terminally ill. And here they were taking high amounts of vitamin C. And as long as they took these high amounts of vitamin C, they would, they would stay alive. And when they would stop taking the vitamin C, then they would most of the time die or or not do very well. So I got very excited about this. And now I've got two weapons that I was going to use. I knew I was going to do both of these. I'm going to do this diet. I'm going to do vitamin C. And I'll do the chemotherapy, too. Why not? I'll do it all. A little's good. A lot's better. So I'm going to do it all. So I'm laying there now. I've got hope. I'm excited. I, I really started to feel like a different person. And the next day I'm laying there in the hospital again and I got another knock on the door. 
And here comes the psychotherapist through the door, the psychotherapist from the hospital, from the cancer ward. He comes in, he says, look, I'd like to talk to you. He says, I heard you were depressed, you were down and out. He says, I'd love to come and just sit down and have a discussion with you. Is that okay? And I said, well, yes, but I want to ask you a question. I said, have you ever heard about a diet? And it's called macrobiotic diet, the macrobiotic diet. And he says, "Uh, hold on. He just took off for the door. He went over to the door. He closed that door. He shut that door and he came back over and sat down next to my bed. And he says to me, yes, I have heard of that diet. He says, I'll tell you what I know about it, but you've got to promise me that you won't speak to anyone about our conversation. He says, I don't want to lose my job, my pension, my retirement, all that. I've been here a long time. And he says, if they know we talk about this, I'm going to end up losing everything. So will you promise me? And I said, oh, sure, sure, no problem. So he went on to tell me, he said, I've heard so many good things about this diet. And he said, it's helped a lot of people. He said, I even tried it myself once, but I couldn't stick with it because it takes a lot of work. He said, it works for people if they stick with it and do it the right way. There's a right way and a wrong way. And he says, you know, by the way, you don't seem very depressed after all. He says, I'm looking at you and you seem like you're halfway excited about something. And I you know, he just, you know, went on to tell me all this good stuff about it. So now I'm really excited. This guy's telling me in secrecy. And here's this guy that, you know, from the other side of the fence, I guess you could say, is telling me all this. And so I felt like I was really on to something that confirmed what I was reading and what I was learning. So now I'm really excited and it gave me hope. You know, it gave me this belief and that's what I needed. And my will started to kick in again, stronger than ever. And I had made up a plan now that if it didn't work for me, if, you know, it wasn't going to work for anyone, I was going to do all this stuff and I would just, you know, do it all. So as you were going through that process and we have about five minutes left of here in the interview, and I want to make sure that people get a good understanding of, um, you know, you, you started that process, right? You, you started that diet. You, you started those things. You, um, you took, I did. You, I you took, you took all, your body you know, to the cleaners, right? I did. And I went, I went into, started the diet. As soon as I could get out of the hospital, I had to recover from the surgery, but I started the diet, you know, and started reading everything I could. I wanted to do it the right way as the, psychotherapist said there's a right way and a wrong way you got to do it the right way so i eventually did 10 chemotherapy treatments but it was the worst stuff i'd ever done in my life it was terrible my body didn't respond and the doctor comes in one day and says look you know i'm sorry to tell you but your body's not responding the way we had hoped and he says "Uh, there's nothing else we know to do and i asked him i said what would you do if it was your son or daughter he said i'd do the same thing it's all i know to do So I said to him, what about vitamin C? What about healthy diet, nutrition, all that? No, none of that stuff works. He said, there's nothing to that kind of stuff. Well, when he said that, it upset me really bad. And I was laying there and I was weak from these treatments were terrible. And I just raised up in that bed and I said, listen here. I basically told him off. I said, listen here, if I could get out of this bed, I'd tear you apart. That's how I felt. I was so mad. And this guy turned around like he'd seen a ghost and he ran out the door 
And he just didn't give me any hope, and it just upset me. And here I was starting to gather as much hope and belief as I could. And I got up, and two nights later, I snuck out of the hospital, crawled down the stairs at 2 in the morning. And I said, I don't want any part of this anymore. I'm not going to stick around to see what's going to happen to me next. And uh, my body's not responding. I'm sick, sick, terribly sick from all this. I'm going back home. I'm going to dig in. I'm going to war with this cancer. And I am going to have the attitude, if this doesn't work for me, it's not going to work for anyone else. So I did. I went home. I got on the, the macrobiotic diet. I was very strict. Uh, I started to do everything it said to do. And all this is in my book. Everything I did is in my book. I used to have cancer, and everything that I would do, if I had to go through this all again, because you learn a lot through this 30 plus years, I've learned so much and learned you know, more about cancer, what causes cancer, the things you have to do to, to help you know, get rid of the, 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 the underlying causes of cancer. And uh, I did it all, and I tell you, it, it was quite something how fast my body started to pick up and started to get better. After about three months, I felt like a different person, and I took a lot of vitamin C. I've always taken a lot of vitamin C through this period, and it just there was a lot to this, and I started to meet other like-minded people. I started to read about positive stories. I wanted to you know stay positive and i knew i was on the right track and i know that if i hadn't have done this i probably wouldn't be here today to be talking about it well we're glad that you are here to, to share your story and, and i agree we talk about uh, these types of things a lot and how important what you ingest into your body is to the health of your body and you know a lot of processed foods that are out there and you know oh, yeah. uh, you know it, what's crazy to me and i think that's you'll you'll agree james is how expensive it is to eat healthy, right? It's super easy to go and, and buy crappy food, right? Yes. It's really hard to go and make sure that what you're purchasing isn't, uh, you know, processed or whatever and making sure that you eat a lot of whole foods and, you know, superfoods are super important. And, you know, and, and in your take, would you think that the phytonutrients probably played the most important role in, in your in your rehabilitation? Well, you know, I think it's all that. And the thing about it is, is no matter what diet you're on, there's certain non-negotiable things you have to do. And when you eat these foods with phytonutrients like cruciferous vegetables and alien vegetables, which cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, uh, kale, collard greens, all these things, you know, there's a you just get a list of them on the internet or anywhere. And there's so many, but all these have these phytonutrients and they're the sulfur producing foods that really kick in your glutathione, which is the, the mother of all antioxidants. Antioxidants are so important. And, uh, you know, like, like, I don't believe in a lot of fruit, you know, a lot of fruit juices and all that. I'm more like the eat fruit, you eat the berries. You know, there's certain berries that have the phytonutrients, you know, and the cancer fighting properties more than others. So I believe in those and I believe in the, you know, like the smaller berries in most cases, like the blueberries, the, the strawberries are even, you know, but they have to be, everything has to be organic. 
you want to make sure you're eating organic foods and you have to kind of watch out especially if you have cancer in my view and now some cancers are different so it's not all one size fits all here because uh you know there's certain kinds of cancers that do better with animal food than others but i think that when you first are diagnosed with cancer you can't mess around and once uh, you if you have the energy that's the best time to really dig in and find something because a lot of people wait until they've been through the meal and they don't have much energy left so it's very important to change your way because you didn't get sick overnight it takes time sometimes you know 8 10 12 years to develop cancer in the body and you know it's usually from lifestyle it's not it's not genetics everyone thinks it's all genetic there's some genetics probably 10% but people in their mind think well my mother had it and my grandmother had it. i guess i'll have it well i don't i'd say not so not so quick you know uh, you can do so much to change the way the way you eat the way you live you got to clean up your house get rid of all the toxic chemicals in your house uh, go all green all natural all organic drink filtered water you can't be drinking you know toxic chlorinated water you've got to make sure that you have a really good filtration system you've got to uh, you know eliminate all the cancer causing toxins in the body because there's not one person out there that has cancer that is not over toxic with for, with things like substances like heavy metal toxicity a lot of it's from dental issues even you know it's amazing yeah. but you got to get yeah we, clean we talked about that the and, onion and layers back you yeah know? We, we talked about the metal toxicity in another episode with uh with dr shade from quicksilver scientific and that was one of the things that he mentioned um and, and they make a bunch of really cool products for um you know taking your body to the cleaners to get rid of those you know oh, yeah. uh, those toxic wastes and that metal and all that kind of stuff so um, our audience is very much in tune with what you're saying. And I really appreciate yeah. you coming on the show today and telling us your story. And I, I got to agree. I mean, eating healthy and, you know, keeping things as organic as you possibly can and, you know, getting rid of any of those, you know, negative uh, affecting uh, chemicals in your house. I mean, I'm all for that. I think more people need yeah. to hear this type of information. And we really thank you for being on, uh, James. Uh, and thank you for your story. Guys, you can go check out the book. It's I Used to Have Cancer, How I Found My Own Way Back to health by author james templeton james thank you so much for joining us today ryan thank you so much for having me i really enjoyed it awesome and ladies and gentlemen you can always listen to uh, back episodes of finding your frequency we got shows all the way back to 2016 for you guys to check out uh, and then of course if you're listening to us on uh, apple itunes tune in uh, spotify stitcher or iHeartRadio, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and like it share it send it to your friends and of course uh, we always love hearing your feedback uh, leave feedback on your favorite uh, podcast application or you can always email us info at voiceamerica.com I'm Ryan Treasure, right here for Finding Your Frequency on the Voice America Talk Radio Network.